Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 5, The Door is Closed. That's sad. Sad to say, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Book Club. It's me, Josh Wiggler. I'm here with Terry Schwartz, who has always held the door for me every time we have hung out. Has anyone said hold the door for you since this? Yeah, so I am at uh, Run It Up Reno, a poker event in Reno, Nevada, hosted by Jason Somerville, who was just on Post Show Recaps this week, doing a Game of Thrones halftime show with Rob Sesternino and I. Really fun podcast, and I definitely got a couple of hold the doors while I was here. Uh, a few people. I don't like, think oh, I've gotten on. one, but I've seen plenty of the videos online, including someone who had the balls to ask uh, Christian Nairn to hold the door. <laughs> it seemed like he was in on it, but yeah, yeah that's a great, pretty emotional stuff for that polite request. It's a great video that's going around right now of like a guy who's like, oh, I just left Warcraft. This movie's incredible. Oh, I got to catch my elevator. Hold the door. Hold the door. <laughs> and it's freaking Hodor in there. And he just like looks very annoyed to be asked that. But I, I think is a joke. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's not waste any further time. Let's hop into it. This is your prerequisite warning. This is the obligatory spoiler alert. This is the Game of Thrones book club. If you are in here, this is the podcast where we talk about all things Game of Thrones from the perspective of people who have read the books, all of the books in A Song of Ice and Fire, anything that George R. R. Martin has released. All of that is fair game. With all of that said, Man, that sucks. <laughs> you know, like when we look back and and remember the Shireen death, that was another situation that we were like, holy crap, yeah. like Shireen died. And then David and Dan in the inside the episode were like, by the way, George told us that blew our minds too. And I was like, screw you guys. I didn't want to know. <laughs> Don't in you this, like that excuse? Like George made us do it. Well, in this situation, it actually made me feel a little bit better Yeah, because I'm like. That would have been it, a massive, massive, massive thing for them to just go rogue and do. Yeah. And also like it was such a good reveal yeah. and death that I'm like, oh, of course it came from George. <laughs> you know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it definitely feels very George R. R. Martin. Uh, I think it's interesting. Obviously, he's been living with this idea for a long time. You know, he, the book started coming out in 1996. He was writing them earlier than that, obviously, working on that story since the early 90s. So you got to imagine that the Hodor thing, in his mind, was kicking around for a bit. But a lot of the things that I know it's not your favorite show anymore, Terry, but a lot of lost comparisons have come up. <laughs> and I know that, you know, he was a fan. George R. R. Martin was a fan of Lost up until, you know, right up to the very end uh, and then no longer at the very Do end. Do you think that it's a Lost nod? I don't think it's a Lost nod, but I just think it's interesting that the sensibilities are kind of lined up. I also think it, right. feels, it feels very Stephen King to me. Um, it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of this really supernatural horror in a way that we haven't really seen from the show before, I feel like. You know, it's such a mind-bending twist. It's a crazy reveal that opens up not so much, you know, not just so much about the fact that this is how Hodor was named and all of that good stuff, but it's also such a, such a game-changer for the show at large. Like, the fact that this is how Hodor was created speaks so highly toward what Bran is capable of doing and what anyone who also might happen to have Bran's powers is capable of doing. It's a pretty, pretty big deal, this whole thing. Like, it's not only emotionally devastating, but it opens up the whole story in a really wild way. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's interesting that it's coming a bit late in the game. But there is one thing that I've seen people sort of debating, and it's, you know... 
did brand change the past or was this always the past? And right. I think that it, I, to me, it seems fair, very clear that this is how it always happens. Yeah, I agree. You know, it wasn't like brand came in and did something that caused this. And I think the fact that we see it happening in the past and we know how world war has been this whole time, uh, signifies us that it's always been this way. It always was going to be this way. The question is what other things are trapped in sort of like a time loop like that. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Whatever happened, happened, man. Do you subscribe to the theory that brand is all brands? Brand is all brands. Like anyone who's ever been named brand, like is, is like brand, brand the builder, and like yeah, I don't like know. All I, those people. I think you gotta consider it now. Uh, I think that you have to consider that Brand Stark could be Brand the Builder. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about and we've wondered, like, is Brand heading toward an opposite fate or is he going to be a successor to Brand the Builder? Is he going to have some, like, unifying role in the war to come? Um, I think that, you know, we really need to start thinking now more about, like, has he already had that role? Did that right. did that already occur? Did Bran hop all the way back to the beginning of time almost and, you know, create the wall? Did he warg into a white walker and, like, shoot up this massive ice structure? Uh, I feel like we could see something like that at some point in time. I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that Bran Stark built the wall. Yeah, I think it's interesting because now you do this once and you expect that it's going to happen at least once more. And I, I was so. joking, like, <laughs> what if, you know, when he, when he goes to the Tower of Joy, he's the one who delivers Jon Snow or something <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> who are you? A friend. <laughs> but uh, but I'm, uh, one thing I'm more curious Nurse the more Brand, I've had time to think great. about it, right, um, is that, like, how many more mistakes is Bran going to make? He made this mistake, like, sort of with, well, I guess it was after the Three-Eyed Raven died, but he no longer has a mentor. And the one thing that I think is likely, because it's, you know, where is he going to go? Well, if he finds out about the Tower of Joy and what happened in it, maybe he goes to find John. Right. He has this mark from the Night King. If he passes below the wall, does that mean that they can pass below? like through the wall, you know? Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's an unintentional mistake that he makes. Or you're right. Maybe he does go back and try and change something now that he knows he sort of has this ability, um, and, and messes something else up in the process. But it is curious that in the promo for next week's episode, we still, we see that he's still, you know, having a vision or maybe like trapped in the past or something. We see that he has sort of his like war guys on. He still got his war guys going on. And I know a lot of people have been wondering, like if the three eyed Raven is dead, does that mean that Bran isn't warging anymore? Is he not going back to the past anymore? My impression is that he's still in that state. Uh, yeah. and I think that the Raven kind of, you know, when he says like, you need to become me now, I feel like he's passed some power on to Bran. Um, I don't know if Bran, what do you think? Does Bran need to be connected to a weirwood tree in order to do this? I think it's pretty safe to say that in the books he does. Yeah, someone asked me this uh, yesterday, actually. And I was like, you know, I think for the sake of the show, no. Because they're playing a bit fast and loose yeah. with the magic. The same thing with Danny. Uh, I know that was the week that I, I missed. And I'm, I'm going to be missing next week, too, because I'm a terrible hostess. Well, um, but I wouldn't say I, terrible. I'm terrible. Terrible. But yeah, I think the show is playing a little fast and loose with the rules of magic just for the sake of the storytelling. So I think if Bran needs a vision of the past, he'll get a vision of the past and maybe it'll try and make it make sense within the continuity of the show. Maybe they won't. And ultimately, 
whatever. <laughs> so, so Bran is branded by the Night King in this episode, and he has like the the mark on his forearm, as you mentioned. And you threw out this idea just now that is that going to allow like is that some sort of magic buster? And if Bran goes south of the Wall, if he if he crosses back through into Westeros, can the Night King follow now? This is something that we've been batting around a little bit on the podcast this week ourselves. I'm inclined to think that that could very well be how the White Walkers finally get into Westeros. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, same with me. But it, it's interesting because I guess, you know, when I think he, Isaac Hempstead Wright said this to you in your interview, but I know he said it to me basically like, you know, Bran isn't fully in control of his powers and he's a little like cocksure about stuff and I could easily see that being a mistake he makes but I also am like no yeah. oh, Bran like learn your lesson from this you know learn learn all that the problems you caused and you know don't let something like that happen but bad stuff I could see that being like the season ender like the cliffhanger of the White Walkers finally coming through because we have that shot in the trailer too of them all just like well, I guess we sort of saw that. I think in, that's what we saw in this last episode. Yeah, yeah. This episode when Bran is like in the vision and he sees all the White Walkers. I mean, there's so much. We're you know we want to talk about everything for this episode, but so much of it is in this Bran storyline. So everybody, please forgive us if we don't talk about anything but this story. I'm sure that we will talk about more stuff. But well, the other massive thing that happened, like dropped in the middle of the episode, right. was the confirmation that the Children of the Forest created White Walkers yeah. out of man with dragon glass to fight all of mankind like oh my god that's huge it's a big reveal it's a very big reveal i know it hasn't sat well with everybody i think that there's some people who are like really this is this is how white walkers are born i really like it what's your I take really on it i really like it no i really like it and like my favorite theory that i know we've talked about before and we've linked before was that one that now seems not quite as likely to happen, but was basically that like the white walkers were protecting the wall. And when mankind sort of started encroaching and, and when Daenerys Targaryen came up and brought the, you know, with the dragons and brought magic back, it was time for the white walkers to go South and sort of defend the land. Um, and this is sort of a twist on that. What we can get from it is that the children of the forest are not all good. And the white walkers, you know, for all that they might be the embodiment of evil now, weren't were created for a purpose and are just doing that purpose and i think that very much to me fits inside of what george r R. martin does in this world nothing is black and white yeah no i think it really speaks to the complexity of good and evil um and it really speaks to the complexity of war and what war requires for victory and you see you know there was this ancient war between man and children of the forest way back when when the first men show up into the seven kingdoms which are not the seven kingdoms yet they're chopping down trees they're putting their feet on things that they don't belong opening, <laughs> opening doors that they shouldn't be opening uh and all of this is happening and the children of the forest need to come up with some sort of device some sort of weapon to battle them back to save their land and so in an act of desperation they use their awesome tree magic to create white walkers and they think that's going to be great now we have nuclear warheads on our side and suddenly surprise skynet becomes self-aware and the white walkers fight back and now the children of the forest and the men have to reach some sort of settlement in order to fight this insane threat that really both of them through their conflict created and I think that that's really, really interesting, and I think that that's very thematically appropriate with everything that we've gotten on Game of Thrones so far. Makes a lot of sense to me that the White Walkers were not always that way, 
and you kind of have there's a there's a little bit of sympathy that you can have for these guys actually yeah and i agree with you that it goes along thematically with what the show and especially george's books have been doing in you know the consequences of war and that what comes after and what these decisions make because so many stories are focused up in the moment and you know especially i think we as a society now have had several generations that can look at well what comes after a war right my biggest issue with this reveal and it's sort of my biggest issue with the season not sort of it is my biggest issue with the season is that because of the pace with which we're chewing through storylines and 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 everything, all the events that's happening, there's not a lot of time for exploration and there's not a lot of time for death. Like, we can infer that from it, but I don't know that we'll ever necessarily go back to that reveal and spend more time with it. And I wish that there was. That's the thing that makes me excited for The Winds of Winter, if that is, in fact, the book in which we find this out, because there is a lot to chew on there, and I want some more time to process it and for the show to process it a little bit for me. So you don't think that we're going to explore any further nuance with the White Walkers? you think that it's just going to be enough and we have to kind of do the mental gymnastics well, of these guys were humans, they were people once, too, and they have their motivations for doing what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to explore more nuance with them, but in the present, I think there's obviously this connection now between Bran and the Night's King, or Night King, and now that you know we have this added context, it will make their interactions make more sense. I'm not convinced that's not the last time that Bran and the Night King see one another. Um, I just don't think that we're going to specifically go back to that reveal and unpack it in the show. I think it's, you take it, you accept it and you move on and it will add more, you know, more color for the things that happen later. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that goes because I feel like we are driving to a point like, you know, the Jon Snow story this season is about taking back Winterfell and really the big bad guy, like the scummiest villain on the show is Ramsey. I don't think Ramsey's making it out of this season alive. I think that the odds are against him. But if you take him out, like, who's your new compelling bad guy? And it's really, by that point, it's got to be the White Walkers. Like, that's when they really have to show up, and now we really have to deal with them. And you don't think it's possible that we really get a character out of the Night King? I think that they just set up his origin in a huge, huge way. I don't, I don't know that we're going to see him running around delivering monologues, um, but do you think that it's possible that the Night King becomes more of an established character, somebody who actually reveals a little bit about their agenda and what it is they're after? you think that that's not something we'll get on the show? No, I think it is, and I think it's necessary. Again, there's no, there's no Sauron figure in Game of Thrones, or in A Song of Ice and Fire, and I would say that... Um, the the Night King in the show is as close as we get to that, but that's not the story that George is writing, and I don't think yeah. that's the story David and Dan are telling. But I fully agree with you that you know Ramsey is the last great human enemy on the show, and then by the end of this season, it seems like we're building up to this big battle with him. I, I would be surprised if he lived through this season in any position of power, which really sets the stage for the last what two shortened seasons, we'll say, um, to be about the fight against the White Walkers and everyone needing to shift their focus and say, okay, wait, what? 
how do we fight this threat? Right. Yeah, I think that that's probably where we're going. Uh, but that does excite me for the idea of the Night King is more of a character. How do you feel about this? We're calling him the Night King now. That's what we're doing. That's official. Like, We've been calling him the Night's King for like two seasons now. Well, and now all of a sudden. Club. I guess we can stick with the Night's King. In, in the other podcast I do on uh, IGN, Dragons on the Wall, Eric, my co-host, made a point to say we need to fully transition over to Night King. It's yeah. what the show says. It's what Dan and David say. But F it. This is the book club. We do things the book's way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine. If you want to call him the Night's King, I'm okay with it. I don't like I this do last minute switch. I don't like this last minute switch that HBO Maybe it's seems how they're differentiating. Yeah. Maybe it's how they're differentiating because George said that the show's Night Night King is not necessarily the same the as his Night's King. King. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, this is like Asha Osha all over again. Yeah, which, you know, to be fair, made sense because I had a coworker the other day who was like, what's the name Asha Osha? And I'm like, that's why they changed it to Yara. <laughs> yeah, but Osha died like five minutes into this season. So we could probably, probably could have just called her. Uh, we could have called Yara Asha. Well, not speaking of characters who died, speaking of characters who are coming back, we heard about the blackfish, and I was so happy. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, we hear we heard about the blackfish this week. Seems like that's going to come up. I want to get into the River Run stuff in a minute, but let's let's wrap up what's going on here north of the Wall really quickly. First off, just in terms of losing Hodor, was that an untouchable character for you? I think for me, I I think a big part of the shock was I really never expected they would kill off Hodor. And this is Game of Thrones. This is a Song of Ice and Fire. So many important people die all the time but for me this was like my first real red wedding outside of the books uh this was the one summer that really, was more really of the untouchable away. character for me interesting they are just killing off These the dire, dire wolves. wolves and that i know like no i did not expect that hodor was not an untouchable character for me i thought like I teared up. I didn't quite well over, like spill over, but I welled up um, at his death, and I just thought it was so well done, and it did surprise me. But Summer surprised me a lot more, uh, and I'm very nervous about the direwolves. But I'm hoping that this is just setting up a Nymeria return because there are only two left. There's only two left. Don't think that they're getting out of this thing alive, Terry. I think, <laughs> I think that that's the trend. I think that the trend is that they're all. But that be means toast. bad news bears for the Starks that they're with. That's what's been established. Not necessarily, man. Uh, I mean, really, only Rob is dead. Uh, Rob is dead, and like bad things have happened to the other Stark siblings, but they're all still kicking. They're still alive. Yes, so. So I don't think that it's necessarily Direwolf dies, and so does the Stark. Uh, it <sighs> happened that way for. Rob, maybe it's like your direwolf dies and now you're on your own and now you've got to figure out things without, you know, a wolf avatar. You just have to kind of be the wolf yourself. I don't know. I'm but trying summer, to find the bright side here, Terry. It again, sucks. Nymeria <laughs> is my silver lining. I'm hoping that we hear about Nymeria or see Nymeria this season because, again, you know, they've they've cut down the direwolves so they don't have to put too much budget into that. I, uh -huh. I keep joking that it was like a budgetary <laughs> axing, but um, but maybe Nymeria? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Nymeria. I think, uh, yeah, for, for me, 
this whole scene, this whole final sequence of the episode was really an all-timer. And I've said it before in the book club, I believe. I've certainly said it privately to people if I haven't said it pub- publicly, but I'm pretty sure I've said it publicly, that my favorite chapter in all of the books is the chapter where Bran reaches the Three-Eyed Raven for the first time, where he shows up and Cold Hands delivers him, and, like, the the walkers, like, the, the zombies in the woods are, like, trying to, like, claw Bran's guts open, and it's just, like, this really, really haunting piece of horror fiction um, that I don't think that we fully got in the show's version of that scene uh, back at the end of season four, which was memorable in its own right just for different reasons, I think. It didn't play out quite the same palpably terrifying way. Uh, and I think that last night, or this past week's rather, this, this final scene of The Door carried all of those same feelings, all of those same emotions, this nausea that things are just not going to work out well. And Bran escapes, and that's great, but only Mira survives as well. Otherwise, everybody else in that storyline is dead, including Hodor, including Summer. That's yeah. so ruthless. And that's and the, least, that's the guess, price of like, war. We haven't even mentioned that the children of the forest die, but... That's a big deal, too. That's a very (laughs) big deal. Uh, So I thought that it just was executed, no pun intended, really, really well. I just thought that they really crushed it. Uh, Big fan of that. What did you... Some people have been wondering. Antonio Mazzaro, who's been on the Game of Thrones book club before, is going to be hosting the Game of Thrones live show with me on Sunday night. Him and I were texting, and he was was concerned or curious about why Mira Reed was able to kill a White Walker. They didn't really necessarily establish firmly why she was able to do it, where some of these other people who were trying to attack the White Walkers were failing. Antonio took this to mean that this theory, and I don't know if you've heard about this theory before, Terry, if you haven't. The R plus L equals M and J. Yeah, so for those who don't know what that means, this new pet theory kind of developed in the off-season, as pet theories tend to develop in off-seasons, that Jon Snow is not the only child of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark, but Mira Reed is his sister. Like a Star Wars <laughs> twist. Uh, and, you know, Howlin' Reed raises her, and she is also a secret Targaryen. And Antonio took this to mean that perhaps Mira Reed is now being confirmed as a secret Targaryen, and it's like her Valyrian bloodline is part of what helps her kill the White Walker here. I'm really not in on this theory. Uh, I really don't want... I feel like you're taking away the specialness of Jon Snow if you're adding another person into that equation, especially Mira Reed, who most people, especially who watch the show, don't really give much of an F about. Yeah, I could see how that could be how they're setting the groundwork for it. I just assumed that she picked up one of the Children's of the Forest's spears and chucked it, and it was like, oh, that's what happens when you use Valyrian seal or something like right. that. And I think um, this was pointed out to me this past week by Purple Rock Emma on Twitter uh, and a few other people that Mira Reed has, you know, she has a butt ton of dragon glass, right? Didn't Sam, mm-hmm. didn't Sam give them dragon glass when they passed each other, when he helped them pass the wall and he came back through the wall? So they have dragon glass weapons at this point. So I think that you can just assume that that's what Mira used when she Maybe she was surprised at what good aim she had. Instead <laughs> She's of, like, Whoa. That was the aftermath. I can't believe that. Um, but the Night King is losing, his, and Night's King is move, losing his generals. I'm so confused. I'm just going to do like a half S about But yeah, he's like down two generals because he lost one at Hardhome too, uh, and then this one here. So 
I don't know. I, I also sort of have a sinking feeling that maybe he turns Bran into one of his generals. Like maybe the the touch of the Night's King spreads like grayscale because we've seen what his touch did to that baby and turned that into a White Walker. So we talked about that on uh, the the show with Jason Somerville this week. That like, what did the White Walkers want? And is there any significance to like when we saw the Night King for the first time? when he turned one of Craster's babies into a White Walker. Uh, and I think that it's easy to forget, now that we know that the White Walkers were created by the children of the forest, that the White Walkers have the capability of turning human beings into White Walkers. So will we see the White Walkers turn humans into White Walkers? I think we should talk about what happens next to Bran. Uh, a lot of theories that we're going to finally get some cold hands and or Benjen Stark in the coming episode. I think a lot of people are hot on that theory. I love that. I, re- I think if there's ever going to be a time to have that character return to the show or to introduce cold hands, it's got to be coming up right now. Um, but if that's not where we go, then you got to assume that the White Walkers catch up to Bran because how else do they get themselves? Well, you out of see, here? you see White seemingly attacking Mira and Bran in the promo for next week's episode. I like. I keep saying that to me, this is sort of the season of fan service. If they give us Cold Hands and or Benjamin Stark, and I'll get to why I'm separating those in a second, um, then I, that to me just would be so surprising because I did not think the show was going to do it. It's not happening at the same time. If they're doing it now, they're doing it because they want to appease fans calling for it i do think it's less well we first of all we know george there's like a, an editor's note um on one of george's manuscripts i believe uh, i might be getting what the note is on wrong but that um cold hands is not benjamin stark he could be lying um it was something that someone found uh to me those two are, are separate characters with that being said i think it's more likely that Benjamin Stark shows back up and we find out where he's been this whole time. He's like north of the wall um, and he saves Bran and Mira and helps them go wherever they decide to go, which is probably to Castle Black, right. tying back to our, our other theory. And if, the reason why that makes sense to me more than Cold Hands is that we keep seeing Benjamin in, um, in Bran's visions of Winterfell, like old Winterfell. And that could be establishing, like, he's back in fans' minds. He's been on the previously on Game of Thrones as adult Benjen. Now would be the best time to bring him back there. And then, hey, then Bran has the opportunity to be like, why didn't you guys tell us that Hodor used to talk and was just yelling, hold the door? And let us make fun of him because we thought we could only say Hodor, you terrible parents and uncles. <laughs> yeah, you guys are awful. You knew you were there. We knew it all the time. <laughs> you always were aware. Yeah. So what do you think a, about my Benjen theory? That's a great pull. I like that. I think, yeah, I think that I think that Benjen Stark is very likely to show up in the near future. Whether or not um yeah, I, I mean if you see him in a previously on, I was going to say, then bank on him showing up next week. 
but the, we did see him in a previously on in the season five finale, and that just ended up being an epic case of trolling, uh, where just <laughs> setting us up for the Jon Snow thing. Uh, but I, I bet, I bet that's where we're going. But I think worth examining the other possibility is if the Night King were to capture Bran in the next episode, you could see him wanting to turn Bran into a White Walker and recruit Bran to his cause. That totally. would be a very powerful ally to have. Yeah, we don't know why the Children of the Forest chose who they chose, but maybe they chose a bunch of green seers. Yeah, it's possible. Um, speaking of green seers, I think this can be the final thing we talk about before we leave this storyline is the death of the Three-Eyed Raven. The Three-Eyed Raven is gone. In the books, feels very clear that the Three-Eyed Raven is uh, Blood Raven, um, is Brendan Rivers, who is a Targaryen bastard from way back when. It's about a century old. On the show, he says, I've been waiting here a thousand years. We didn't really get anything about him having Targaryen lineage. Do you think that we ever will? Or is the show's version of this character just kind of separate from where he was in the books? I think that there's just going to be a lot more depth in the book about who that is. And, like, maybe it's not even important that it's Blood Raven, except for the fact that people have read the Duncan Egg novellas and this is a, a storyline that's sort of a connective tissue there. Uh, I don't think it's important that we find out who the Three-Eyed Raven is necessarily. Maybe, you know, when Sam eventually gets to Old Town, this is a very long journey for him. Um, and it looks like he's making a pit stop at Horn Hill this weekend. Yeah. But, you know, maybe when he gets there, he finds out about Brendan Rivers or we get a line about him somewhere. But I don't think it's hugely important to the show to find out that he was this secret Targaryen bastard. Are we going to see him on the show again? Are we going to see the Three-Eyed Raven or was that it? He's Max von Sydow. I don't think we're going to see him again. He's like, I'll give you five. I'll yeah, give you he's five. like, I'll give you five short ones, yeah. and one of them I need to be napping through. <laughs> yeah. You can film me during my nap time. <laughs> that will be just fine. All right. Where do you want to go next, Terry? Where's your, where's your next stop? I know there's not much to talk about, but I'm just like, I forgot that we don't find out that we we don't hear rumor of him again. The only rumor we hear of him in A Dance with Dragons is that we don't know where he is. Yeah. Jamie's like, hey, was he here? And they were like, no, he's not here. And that's about it. Um, I'm so stoked that he's like rallying forces at River Run. And that seems like we know that Brienne is heading back to the Riverlands to like, are they going to cross paths? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that that's the plan at least is like, Brienne, go to river run, go find my uncle and bring his butt up here. Like let's, let's get some forces. Let's work together. Um, so the fact that Brienne is being, you know, directed toward the Riverlands, which is where she gets into some interesting things in a feast for crows makes you wonder, like, what are they about to do with Brienne? Is she going to meet some version of the fate that she runs into in A Feast for Crows where she is, you know, taken in by the Brotherhood, uh, where she runs into Lady Stoneheart? I don't know that Lady Stoneheart is going to happen on this show. I'm still inclined to believe that it's not. Uh, and we, always, I feel like we say this very often. If the show's ever going to do it, now's the time. But kind of that's the thing is like we might be in territory, uh, we're at least in a physical territory where if Lady Stoneheart's going to show up, we're just now finally putting Brienne in that story's direction. See, I still don't think that it's going to happen. I think John was their big resurrection to bring back cattle, and now people will be like, huh, wait, what? Um, 
I just don't think it makes sense in the story anymore. That being said, like, but is some version of that going to happen where like somebody is in the Lady Stoneheart role and she is still Brienne is well, still I going think, to be captured I think by Sansa's somebody? Sansa's going to be our Lady Stoneheart, not as a resurrected half decomposed zombie, but as like I our hope queen, our, as our queen of vengeance. Because and now I'm going to be connecting a few dots, uh, speculating about what could come next based on the clues that we have, which is what we do best as Game of, as a Song of Ice and Fire fans. Um, in early promos, we saw this shot of Brienne uh, in River Run. So at the time, I was like, "Who's she talking to?" To me, it seems obvious now that she would be meeting with the Blackfish or, or someone there. Right now that we know that he's sort of taking control of River Run, um, we also saw a shot of Walder Frey, and in the synopsis of this week's episode, this week's uh, it says an old foe returns. I think it very easily could be Walder Frey, it, which to me excites me because. That means we could finally get some Frey justice. I don't know if we'll ever get Frey pies. Uh, I think that, again, might be a step too far, but I think we might get some Frey justice, and that'll be really exciting. Um, You know, even if Sansa isn't the one to go down and help the Blackfish, but maybe his stipulation is like, okay, like, I'll help Sansa, but first I want to get revenge and kill the Freys or something like that. Also, quickly... If Brienne is going to the Riverlands, this could be a good time for her to meet uh, Septon Maribald. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Um, I think that that's got to be coming up sometime soon. I believe episode seven is called The Broken Man. Uh, yeah. And The Broken Man is the fantastic Septon Maribald sermon, essentially, you know, this kind of understated monologue that you can easily forget if you're just kind of like very generally thinking about the books. But it's this really beautiful passage in A Feast for Crows on, you know, really kind of like a meditation on what war does to people. How, yeah, you should be afraid of the broken man who doesn't have anything, uh, but you should pity him as well. It's just a really great line and a real kind of statement on everything that Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire is about. So the fact that an episode is coming up called The Broken Man suggests to me that either Septon Maribald or is it going to be given to the elder brother or some jammed up version of the character who a lot of us believe to be Ian McShane's character this season. He said he had one episode this year. Seems like this is the character for him. I think we're looking at the broken man. I think we're looking at episode seven as the episode where uh, where we get Ian McShane on the show uh, and, and where potentially we get the hand as well. I will say like the other big theory and the one that might be more likely is that the which which supports Clegane Bowl um, get would, be, would be that the faith militant uh, and um, Septim Maribald uh, would bring the hound in to be the person to fight in uh, Cersei's trial by combat and then we would have the resurrected hound versus resurrected mountain even if the hound is just spiritually resurrected um, which also probably is more likely again based on the synopsis for that episode because it seems like when we'll finally get that showdown but very excited for what this means for brand storyline even if it sadly seems to be taking her away from Tormund 
the greatest oh, thing so to good. ever happen on Game <laughs> of Thrones ever. So Jessica Lee was on here last week, filling in your shoes, Terry, and she was not only shipping Tormund and Brienne; she was the captain of the ship. She is leading, oh well, I'm leading the charge. Usurper. So you, so you and you and Jess a, are on the same page. Yeah, I'm gonna pull a Euron Greyjoy and say it's my ship now. <laughs> <laughs> Queen's boot. Queen's Moot, yeah. <laughs> which I guess is as good a transition as any. Yeah. All right. So let's talk King's Moot. The King's Moot happened. It takes like a million pages in the books on the show. It took about three, four minutes. Uh, are you happy that they yada yada the King's Moot? <laughs> yeah, I'm not complaining that much. The one <laughs> thing they, yar- they yara yara the They yara yara did. They osha osha did. Osha yeah. osha did. Uh-huh. Um, the one thing that I was surprised by uh, was how open they were about Euron killing Balin, considering that's such a mystery yeah. in the books. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's so nonchalant about it. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I did kill him. I totally I, did. It was cool. This sequence really underlined to me just how dumb the Iron are. <laughs> like, Yara was totally right. She's like, why does no one else care about us? And she's like, we're, what are we doing wrong? We should fix that. Um, and then it's because they're like, oh, you killed our king? Cool. All right. You're our new king. But that that was jarring to me. Also jarring was Theon and Yara taking off with all the ships i saw someone assume that they were heading to danny i think that's really unlikely really but i am curious where they're going oh i think that that's super likely really yeah i think that's definitely where we're going why Why? do you think that's unlikely i don't know why would they go to danny what is that gonna do for them well i you know we've been talking about this a lot on the podcast this week between rob and i where he's like what purpose could they possibly have you don't think that Yara and Danny would be simpatico? Like, you don't think that those two... Yara minds, would be a great hand of the queen. You know, I think that those two people would really fall in line. They heard it very clearly, plain as day, from Euron Greyjoy that I'm going to take us to the Targaryens, I'm going to align us with the dragons, and we are going to be the rulers of the world. Yara now steals all of the ships, gets out of there. Ironborn don't just run away from their problems. They fight... They've been challenged by Euron. They have the vast majority of the fleet. Why wouldn't they sail to Meereen, meet up with Danny, say, hey, help us take out this a-hole who has just taken control over our land, and we will pledge loyalty to you, and we will align somehow. I feel like, especially with the fact that Danny's whole fleet was burned in the first episode of season six, yeah, but now but you've got the entire Iron Fleet on the move. They're not going to go to Meereen? That seems really unlikely to me that they wouldn't team up. I guess what doesn't sit well with me about it is how big of a book divergence it would be. Like, yeah, me, I can see that happening because it's your, it's, well, it's not your own. It's Victorian who heads there on Euron's behalf. Although I guess, wasn't he deciding that he wanted to take it for himself and not, not partner with her on Euron's behalf. So I guess that, does align I if think I'm that the way that, that it, the way that it seems to me like it's very likely to play out in the books is there's the big battle at Marine that's about to happen. Um, Victarion is going to get consumed with fire. It is known because he is the worst and he's just going to have an awful death. And then Danny's going to be in control of what's left of his fleet. And you've got you know Asha and Theon in um, I forget where they're where they're being kept, but they're with Stannis Baratheon in the book. So there could come some point later on down the line where Danny shows up with that fleet and Asha's like, yeah, you're cool. We can be friends. And it might just take a while to get there. 
But I think that Danny's getting that fleet in the books, regardless of whether it's through diplomacy or through, you know, acts of violence. And I think that on the show, I mean, I guess it's not impossible that she'll just roast Yara and Theon alive if they show up. That would really suck. That would be a really terrible ending for those characters. I would be more inclined to see that they could really line up. Theon and Tyrion have a little tiny bit of history as well. Um, so I th- Yeah, I guess if that, if that plays out that way, I guess it depends, you know, how it does unfold. Because thinking about it, it just doesn't sit quite right with me and I also am concerned like if that is the case is it going to take like two episodes from them to get all the way from Pike to Marine because everyone's been like speed traveling and okay I want to like have a caveat on that I know that there has been like because I've been joking about how quickly Littlefinger you know passed from went from the veil so fast yeah to to Moletown of course, in the period of time between these episodes, Sansa also created like two a full dress and a full outfit for right. John. I get that they're conveying that time has passed, but the bigger issue is that like it was frustrating to have Sansa, to wait. Do you think Sansa would create a dress for me if I lost another book club bet? Oh my god! Well, I think we should write Sophie Turner a letter right. because if we can, she's got some like good needlework. I would wear that dress. Let's see if we can fan campaign that. Um, yeah, let's 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 start a, a Kickstarter. Let's write a change.org <laughs> petition. Um, but yeah, that's my bigger issue with the fast traveling because it doesn't feel earned. Game of Thrones is supposed to frustrate us. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's fine. We're moving toward the end game. They're speeding things along. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I mean. What do we want? The books move too slow. Now the show's moving too fast. <laughs> We're trying to house gold, Goldilocks this We're thing. never happy. We're, We're never, never happy. happy. Just, that's why we're Game of Thrones fans. Just accept good things because that scene with Littlefinger and Sansa was really great in this episode, I thought. Yeah, no, I do. I agree with that. Um, also, in terms of speeding things along to their end, I'm just going to pose to you yes or no question. Yeah. Are we going to get the cure for grayscale or not? Yeah, so this is interesting. I was really surprised that, you know, like, first off, it was so great to see Danny like totally forgiving Jorah. Uh, that scene killed me. I was like, I was in front, I was watching it with friends, um, and I was, I was like on the cusp of tears, and I was just like, <laughs> shut up, don't look at me. It was just this great moment because the way that like Jorah says Khaleesi is iconic at this point, and like his love for her is so. It's like this is the type of thing that I would write fanfic about ten years ago. <laughs> like I just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And for Danny to reciprocate it, such fine acting on Amelia Clark's part. But I was really surprised with like the go find the cure. Go. I was like of everything we yeah. have to get done before the end of this series. Now we got go cure, find the cure, cure yeah, is got, one of it. We got a cure grayscale on top of everything. Uh, yeah, that seems. I don't know why we need to go there. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to go there. Is this just a convenient way of getting Jorah out of the story, or is he going to find the cure for Grayscale? And I feel like if he is going to find the cure for Grayscale, you would think that it would take him back to Valyria, right? And, like, does he unearth something in Valyria that I really want. I really want Valyria, but to me, there's, like, an option C there, which is who's the new person you're going to pair Ian Glenn with? <laughs> like, like he's such a good actor. Like, yeah. who does he get to work with now? And maybe, you know, all roads end up leading him back to his Khaleesi, so maybe he's the one who meets up with Yara and Theon, going back to our earlier convers- conversation. 
He says, hey, she wants me to do this. Let's go to Valyria. They find their cure. They all go back to Danny together and bring her to Westeros. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, I had been thinking that Jorah was just going to die. Like, there was just no yeah. chance for him. I'm a little more optimistic now. I think that, you know, you don't drop the possibility of a cure on the show unless there's actually a possibility of a cure. I would still, if you had to ask me one way or the other, is Jorah going to survive this thing or not? Probably not. I'm with you. But how cool would it be to get Jorah back in Westeros and fighting against White Walkers and, you know, reuniting with House Mormont and kind of maybe even becoming like a, a member of the Night's Watch and following in his father's legacy and stuff like that. So now, like, again, my fan brain is just like very happy with this development for Jorah because it opens up some possibilities. That being said, in the books, John Connington is the guy who has grayscale, keeping it a secret, hasn't really told anybody about that. I think a a lot of conventional wisdom on that has been like on top of everything else that's about to rip the world apart there's going to be a grayscale outbreak as well the way that the show is handling it seems like they're going down a different road because everybody knows about Jorah's grayscale and it's a lot of sympathy and empathy for the guy rather than ah he's a leper get him out of here right. so I don't know what the grayscale factor is going to be on the show versus the books or if the books is ultimately going to line up in a similar way where somebody tells John Connington get out of here go find a cure uh, I don't right. know how it'll play out there I agree. Um, I'm with you. Anything else, Major? I know we got to wrap up. Unfortunately, we can't do a well, super long one like, today. Well, there's like there's the Aria stuff, um, which I think we can delve into. I, you know, I joked that it was the weirdest previously on Game of Thrones yet with the Mummers performance, but I think it's really interesting that all these things are showing us that Arya Stark is still there. She yeah. is not no one, even though even if she's convinced herself that she is. We got a bunch of interesting faceless man lore that I think I sort of got lost in the mix, but you know, I keep waiting for that storyline to go the place it's going to go. Danny's did. Danny's was sort of slow to start, but then it obviously really hit. Uh, I keep waiting to see what they're going to do with Arya. Maybe they're going to like assign her to assassinate someone in Westeros who's on her list. Maybe they're going to embrace the fact that she isn't a faceless man, but she is a crazy good asset for them and lean into the Arya Starkness of her uh, to, to take advantage of it and, you know, again, have her kill someone important in Westeros, have her kill Cersei or someone. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I thought there were some interesting elements to that storyline, but I'm still sort of just waiting to see when the other shoe drops. Yeah. And I think that you're, we're in a place where we're starting to see the Starks come back together. John and Sansa are together. They're about to try and save Rickon. Maybe Rickon gets saved and the three of them are together. Bran is presumably going to try and get back into Westeros. If he does that, he's not far away from his siblings. You could see them getting back together. And then there's Arya, just like out in the middle of like Bumble F nowhere. Uh, not that Bravos is nowhere. It's no one. Uh, but how do you get her back there? And right. that's kind of been the head scratcher is like, where is Arya's story going on the show, even in the books, where is it going? Um, you know, there's theories about, is she going to go to old town? Is she going to be part of whatever heist is in play at the, uh, at the Citadel that the faceless men might be up to show hasn't really done much with old town yet. Samuel Tarly is coming back in this coming episode, but he has had a grand total of one appearances up until now. So I just don't know where they're going with all that, but I think that that's a, that's a major TBD. And I think that, 
we got to see how that plays out, but it's been probably, that's probably been one of the slower stories for me this season is what's going on uh, in Arya's neck of the woods. Well, she's back next week, so maybe things will. If you, you think know. next week, it's like two days from now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm so bummed that I'm missing another book club. That will be the last one I miss of the season. Yeah. I am so, so what are you up to? In Germany, vacation actual in vacation. Germany. Oh I know. my gosh. Going from New Zealand to Germany over the span of two weeks might break my brain, but pretty exciting. Um, I'm not are sure. Are you going how- to what, hold the airplane door? And are, is that going to oh melt? Oh my into God. Your brain? Well, I'm going to hold the hotel door and yeah. tell my mom and brother that we need to try and watch it Monday because yeah. um, I don't want to be spoiled. But yeah, not, not quite sure what our schedule will be or when I'll get to watch it. So I figured for the sake of my mother, for the sake of just being a good child, like so few, so few characters are on Game of Thrones, I would actually not work while <laughs> as even though this is fun, this isn't work. Good this for is you. just good highlight of you. my week. I, but after I applaud that, that decision. Applaud that decision. <laughs> so no Terry Schwartz next week. We will have yet another guest co-host here on the Game of Thrones book club when we come back. I think you guys will be very excited about that. Uh, we will be back with Terry in a couple of weeks. Hashtag do you want to go with Yara Yara? Yeah. Let's Yara Yara through the hashtag. Yeah. Uh, so give us that. Terry's on Twitter at Terry underscore Schwartz. I'm at Round Howard. We'll be back with another Game of Thrones book club next week. Unfortunately, no Terry, but I will be here. I will be holding it down. By the way, Terry, did you hear the great news that Post Show Recaps has been nominated for not one, but two podcast awards? <gasps> I did not. Congratulations. We are nominated at the podcast awards. Voting is opening on May 29th. You can vote once per day. We we are nominated in the People's Choice category as well as TV and film. If you like what we're doing here on Post Show Recaps in the Game of Thrones book club, the Game of Thrones stuff in general, we would really appreciate your support if you guys are down to help us get the throne. We want the title. We're coming for you, Podcast Awards. You have so my vote. Give us give us your love if you can. Also subscribe to what we're doing, postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes or for our main feed, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Leave us your five-star ratings if you feel good about that. All of your reviews, everything that you want to do, that would be great. Terry, anything else? Anything else going on in your world? Not not too much, except I just want to give one final. Hold the door! Hold the door! Oh, so sad. Okay, with that, we will see you all later. Goodbye. Bye.